mission. To be loved by Him. To the point that we become transformed. We, we become so changed that all of a sudden we find ourselves in a place of rest. There's a place of rest. that the Hebrews 4. We enter into that rest. We, we rest from trying to be good enough. We rest from feeling orphaned and disconnected. And, and so we find ourselves in a place of, of great rest. So it's not about, I tell people all the time, you know, I don't have anything to prove. <laughs> I used to think I did. But I found out that once he gets involved, man, the only thing I need to prove is Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, completely and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. Worship is what that word means. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what repentance is, metanoia. We, we've heard it wrong. We've heard that repentance means to do a 180, well, that's included, but we, 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 we thought that sin was missing the mark. Sin comes from two words, hey, or ha, H-A, which means without, martia, which means without form. That means to be, try to be something that God never intended for you to be, that live outside the blueprint. It means to be without a share in. And Jesus came not to restore us to, to the state of Adam. He, he came to make us better than Adam was. Amen. He came to, to make us better. And, and uh, so when you think about the goodness of God, let me build your faith just for a moment. This is not the main text, but this important text because Psalm 3410 says, the young lions lack and suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want or lack any good thing. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them good thing. Good thing. Good thing. Psalm 84.11, the Lord God is a sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing. Look at somebody else and tell them good thing. Will he withhold, I feel this, from them that walk uprightly before him. Now that's where I had the struggle. How do I measure up? That was religion's message. I measure up because of him. The Father sees me through His Son, and I'm accepted in the Beloved. We qualify for that promise. So he didn't stop there. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me. Bless the Lord and forget not all His benefits. He forgives me of all my iniquities. He heals me of all my diseases. He delivers my life from destruction. Devil should have killed me while I had the chance because now it's too late. satisfies my mouth with good things. That's not what goes in. That's what comes out. So that my youth is renewed like the eagles. Whew. Let me tell you something. Now, my wife will tell you, I won't toot my own horn. But when they arrested me, my charges changed several times. <laughs> First, it was for preaching too fast or too long. I don't know. Then he changed it to, to a felony because... I, I gave him the wrong alias. I said, I got many aliases. I spelled my name with one N or two Ns, Finley. And uh, uh, 
it, it, I don't remember which one I used last. So, so uh, anyway, he, he, when I got to the holding cell down on the street there on 31 where everybody can see me dressed in the orange, they took a mug shot with me holding the, the thing in front of me. He said, now, the deputy, Mickey, super nice guy, said, hold it. I'm in handcuffs. I've never been in handcuffs before. I would, might have been a little nervous had, had I not seen the First Baptist Church shuttle out there. <laughs> so I knew it couldn't be all bad if the deputies put me on a church shuttle. And he said, get on here with the rest of the criminals. And there's only Tiffany from the farmhouse. She's in handcuffs. And come on, somebody. <laughs> and uh, so when we got down there, they had me hold up that thing. And I had no clue what was on it till my wife saw it. It said, Wayne Hughes, for being too handsome. That's what she said. Oh, my Lord. I don't know how that changed, but we're going to make that confession this morning. You ready? Come on. I've led you in that confession for years, and I think it's time to do it again, right? Look at your neighbor right now and tell him boldly, I'm too blessed to be stressed. I'm too anointed to be disappointed. I'm ever increasing with good things from God. I'm smart. I'm quick. I am good looking. I'm very rich and a major blessing in the name of Jesus. You're going to be glad you sat by me today. Amen. Amen. I want to talk to you a little bit. It's so good to have our guests with us today, and I hope this is not your last time to come, but we want you to just, so good to see Miss Brenda and her daughter with us. Uh, we're grateful for them. Good to have, have Emily. Emily is, is a sister to the neighbors, and uh, they have a little girl named Avalyn, and she saw Deborah yesterday, and she calls her Nana, calls me Big Daddy. Make you melt, right? And, and uh, I love the little high five Jonah gave me this morning. I said, give me, give me five. And he said, ha! <laughs> it was cool. So, you know, <laughs> you, you can enjoy this journey. And I, I want to take you, I, I probably use a lot of scriptures. I love the word because it's connected to a person. And, and that's the person of Jesus. And, and his love for you is extravagant. It's extravagant. First John 3. I'm going to read from the Passion. Because we know that there's a lot of weak translations when it comes to the English and the Hebrew and the Aramaic. And this is like, it's so close to original. I don't agree with all parts of the, 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 uh, the, the interpretation. But then we have so many different versions of the Bible, right? So it's necessary that we be led by the Holy Spirit. That we don't get stuck in something and, and be tied up with a, a teaching or a religious thing that gets us in bondage. Because he said, he set us free. John 8, 32, whoever knows the truth becomes free. He said in verse 36, whoever the son sets free is free indeed. 
Look, read me. Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that He's lavished on us. He has called us and made us His very own beloved children. The reason the world doesn't recognize who we are is they didn't recognize Him. Beloved, we are God's children right now. However, not yet apparent what we'll become, but we know when it... Now, I cross out that word because it's Him. When He is finally made visible, we shall be just like Him. For we'll see Him as He truly is. And all who focus their hope on Him will always be purifying themselves just as Jesus is pure. Now, let me... Let me just tell you that we are the children of God. One of the most important truths that you and I could know is that we're sons and daughters now. That we, we don't, there, there's, that's not something that's going to happen. It's something we are now. And, and, and then the word hope is one that I want you to hold on to because we've seen it in the Western culture of religion as wish. Remember 3 John 2, one of my favorite verses, beloved, I wish, Paul's, John's writing to Gaius, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. That word wish is not in the original language. It's hope, kava. Kava is the word. It means a calm, confident expectation of a good thing in your future. Then we find in Romans 15, 13, now the God of hope. He is the God of a calm, confident expectation of a good thing in your future. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound. Now that word peace, it comes from a, a, a very powerful word that means to have prosperity, to have security, safety, and rest. That's good stuff. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing, there's the key word. John 17, remember verse three? Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. Sweat becomes of great drops of blood. He comes into our darkness. It's not God that's punishing his son. It's the, it's the darkness of humanity. It's the delusion that I'm not who he says I am, and that causes me not to believe he's who he, that he is to me. Remember, Adam and Eve are in the garden, and the devil comes to Eve, and the original sin was not eating the fruit. It was believing the lie. Because he said, did God really say that? He's, he, he's really saying he's holding something out on you because he knows when you eat that, you're going to be like him. That's the lie. They already were. And so we know that he says, we, we know it's, he has finally made visible. Whatever you behold is what you become. Whatever you meditate on. If you meditate on him and his goodness, let me tell you, when you meditate, and I'm all about being in the presence of the Lord. That's not something that, that, that I do just on Sunday. 
It's something I, I practice his presence because I cannot go anywhere where he is not. David said, where would I go from your presence? <laughs> if I were to go to the uttermost part of the sea, the Lord, you're there. If I were to go to the highest peak of the mighty mountains, Lord, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, Lord, you're there. Come on, somebody. You understand, he said in Hebrews 13, the the writers influenced by the Holy Spirit says this, for he has said, I will never leave you and I'll never forsake you. you. You know, one of the tricks of the devil is to make us think that God is not concerned, that he's not really involved in our crisis and our struggle, and we all have those. But Jesus said it like this. He's about to face the greatest, the greatest, most cruel thing that humanity could, he could ever face. And he says to his disciples before he is arrested, he said, all of you going to leave me. Notice he didn't speak so much to their failure. He speaks to their future. He'll do the same for you. When we understand that he's not so much into our failure. Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. But I prayed for you that your faith won't fail. And when you're converted, strengthen your brothers. He's speaking to the future. Because he knows his identity is not wrapped up in his failure. Come on. The Lord knows that our failure is not our identity. Our past does not define who we are. Other people's opinions do not define who we are. Even our own misidentification can really skew our, our beloved identity. But let me tell you something. When you know the Father's heart and you begin to understand who he is and you begin to know who you are, you become unshakable. You become unstoppable stoppable you become fearless because perfect love casts out fear come on somebody (laughs) praise the lord hang with me i got an ocean to put in a thimble hang with me it's life isn't it this hope go with me to well, I, I already quoted Romans 15, but 13, but let me do it in the, tra- in the Passion Translation. In the King James, it says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Here's what he said. Come on, somebody. Right. Now may God, the fountain of hope, fill you to overflowing, to uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. Come on, you understand... We, we can really trust in things that are temporal. Yeah. We can trust that somehow, <laughs> or we can really grab a hold of it and become the sign, become the witness. When people look at us, they see the best must be yet to come. When they look at us, they see something that's different than the world because we are the light. Remember Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Then he goes, that's in John. Then in Matthew, he says, you, verse chapter five, you are the light of the world. That word light is phos. 
Do you know that darkness can't be measured? Darkness has no measurement. But you can measure light. We're living in a world that's filled with darkness. But you understand, He created us to become false, to become light, luminescent. I like that word effervescent. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. (laughs) We've become so effervescent that we affect the atmosphere around us. Come on, you, you understand. He created you to be the light to displace darkness. Remember that in, in Him, He is light. God, Paul writes, He is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. The one thing the devil wants to make you believe is God has a dark side. James 1, 17. Every good gift, every perfect gift. Do you know you're a gift? You know whose gift you are? The Father's gift. Jesus came to give us back to the Father, to bring us back into this circle of Father, Son, and Spirit, this love, perichoresis, this circle dance. I know, I'm going to mess with religion right now because He came to bring us into this relationship that will so transform us that we become the light. We become, I'm not saying that we become like the same as God, but we, we become like Him because He calls us sons. We're a reflection of the Father and the Son and the Spirit because we become luminescent. We light up. I'm going to take you to a verse in a moment. Let me see if I can find it. Hang with me. Oh yeah, this is for somebody right now. Psalm 27, 14. This is something you can, you can, I'm telling you. My wife and I, let me, let me just tell you. We are in a place where we have no lack Because we see ourselves as beloved of the Father. And Abraham found out he was Jehovah Jireh when his son said, who's going to provide the sacrifice? He said, he's Jehovah Jireh. The Lord's son will provide. What's, What's God doing with Abraham? He's in his darkness. Because he comes from the Ur of the Chaldees as Abram, and they did child sacrifice. So he says, okay, I'm going to get on the same level with you, Abram. Take your son, your only son. You're the one you take great joy in, Isaac, the son of promise. And take him to a mountain. I'm going to show you that mountain when you get to it. Come on, this is a walk of faith. It's the walk of the Father's heart because he's looking for those who will go, who may not know where you're going. I'm not talking about something you have to, that you have to stress and strain over to figure out what the next thing is God wants you to do. Let me tell you, the, the first thing he wants you to do is rest in him. And understanding that the Bible said we're his workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus 
for good works. It's only when we come to this revelation if, that God is love. You know, religion has focused so much on behavior. Come on, we've been raised in some of those churches where they focused on behavior. If you focus on behavior and miss God as love, it's going to be futile. It's going to be frustrating and discouraging. But when you focus on Him, you focus on God is love, the behavior is going to follow. Not something you have to strive for. Paul said in Galatians chapter 1 and chapter 5, he said, he said what, you, you think being circumcised? If you do that, you're going to have to keep all the laws, 600 plus laws. If you do that because you feel like God would only accept that kind of, uh, of commitment, kind of like the pig and chicken, right? Riding down the road, they see a sign that says ham and eggs, and the pig said, oh, let's stop for ham and eggs. And uh, No, the chicken says, let's stop for some eggs and ham. And, and the pig said, that's easy for you to say. They just want a donation from you. <laughs> Come on, you understand the commitment is, is, is so skewed when you think that we got to aim at behavior. But here's what the Father's doing. He's maturing us. Because as He grows us into maturity, we reach the stage where we can receive our inheritance. Maturity of knowing you're a son and daughter of God will bring you to the place where your inheritance, he has no struggle. If he gave your inheritance before you matured, it would be destructive. I got some grandsons. My, my oldest is in Bible college, Kobe. And he was pretty pro- accident prone growing up. And he always called my truck Bertha. And he said, I want Bertha when, you, when I get old enough to drive Big Daddy. And I never did that. But you understand that, that there's a certain level of maturity. I got a younger grandson who's 12 years old who loves sports cars. He can spot a Mustang. He can spot a, 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 an, an, one of the G35s. He knows cars. He loves sports cars. But I would never give him a fast car because he's not mature enough to get behind the wheel. The Father is growing us into the stage where he's going to be okay with us getting behind the wheel. <laughs> Come on. He's... He's going to give us our inheritance because we've matured into the knowledge of how deeply we're loved and we grow into the stage where we're not moved about by so many winds of doctrine and so many things are easy to move us and cause us to get an emotional breakdown and we get to the place where we're solid because we know Him. My dad was a great example. One night the chimney caught the house on fire that we lived in. The house is still there, by the way. Mama's in a panic. I was, my bedroom was kind of smoky. You could, the fireplace was in there, but the, 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 
the chimney was and, and the fireplace was on the other side. But, but mama is running frantic through the house and daddy just, he's so laid back. He called Mama Boog. Her name was Eleanor Claire, Clara Melt, Melton when he married her, but he nicknamed everybody. He called her Boog, B-O-O-G. It's on her tombstone. <laughs> and uh, she's, she's frantic. And Dad gets up kind of sleepy-eyed and says, Oh, Boog, it'll be all right. I'll take care of it. <laughs> Come on. I want to be that laid back. I want to be in that place where I know my father's heart toward me causes me to mature to the fact that I don't get stressed out or I don't panic because my children are not where they need to be. That I know he's got it because the promise is, shall the prey of the terrible not be delivered and the captive of the mighty, Isaiah 49, not be set free. But I'm telling you, I'm going to set the captive free and I'm going to cause the prey to be delivered and I'm going to save your children. I'll fight with those who fight with you because that's him. That's the father's heart. And he said, I'm going to save your children. Haven't I put your name on the palm of my hand so that your walls are ever before me? That means that he knows our limitations. Walls represent whatever's holding you back and hindering you because he's going to remove those limitations to cause you to mature and grow into the place where you can trust him with everything because you know the outcome. Woo, come on, you need to give him a praise. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Twenty-seven, fourteen, Psalm 27, 14. I want to... Stop right here. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Somebody said, you better not pray for patience. Too late. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You already have that fruit there. You don't have to pray something you already have. We just haven't matured to the place where we can manifest that fruit right you with me the fruit of the spirit is love joy and all his expressions patience now oh here we go be entwined as with the lord be brave and courageous and never lose hope there's that word again Keep on waiting, for he will never disappoint you. Now let's read it from the King James. I want to give you this perspective. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. Do you know that word is not wait? It's actually, I think I gave you the wrong word to begin with. It's kava. Hope is kara. Like charisma. Kava means to be braided with, to be entwined with. What does it mean to wait on the Lord? It means to have your perspective braided into His to the point where you don't lose hope. You know who you are. Do you understand when, when, when you look at, has anybody got, a braid yeah a braid you can't if you look at the braid you can't distinguish which one is which some of us 
Oh, some thought we said brain. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, a braid. It means to... No, it means to brain together, right? No, it's okay. It's okay. Well, that's not far off. It's not far off because we have the mind of Christ. Come on. Woo. Y'all are going to get me so happy I'm going to have to take off running. And I know that's going to win me a lot quicker than it used to. Come on, somebody. You understand that, that he says wait. That means to braid your perspective with the Father's perspective. Ooh, let me go. Isaiah 40, 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. They that wait, that they that braid their perspective with the Father's perspective. You, be, you become so entwined with His idea. You know, He never had to say, I got an idea. Because <laughs> He's omniscient, right? And if you become so entwined with the Father's idea about you, about your journey, it's going to be an adventure. It's going to be an amazing adventure. Because he said that those who have their perspective and their mind intertwined with the Father's shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. Psalm 1, blessed are they who stands not in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, nor walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. And in it, they meditate. That means to mutter to yourself. Day and night, uh, they, they shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Their leaf shall not wither, their fruit shall remain, and everything they put their hands to do will prosper. Come on, you understand, you, you thought God had, I believe the Holy Spirit, is, the Father is going to resurrect some dreams that you forgot about, that you thought, well, He must not going to be do it, but, but you understand, I believe that some of you had some things in your, in your heart and dreams that you had in the past and even visions that, that, you, were, that you had that was God birthed that you didn't come up with that you thought maybe it was your idea, but it was God's all along. He's about to resurrect some of those things you forgot about because He never forgets. He said, I'll never forget about you and let me tell you something I believe that sign I believe that we become the sign that the best is yet to come and I'm it come on you understand look at your neighbor and tell him I'm it I'm the best is yet to come for me it's coming for you why because he's that kind of father that's not pride and arrogance amen Jonah that's confidence I love it. I love it. Yes. That's confidence. Yes. Waiting is not really waiting at all. They that have his perspective. They that see what he sees. Beloved, 
we know when he appears, now are we the children of God. And it does not yet appear what we're going to be. Hang on, little acorn. You're going to be an oak tree one day. Does not yet appear what we're going to be. But we know when he appears, when we, whatever you focus on, you become. When you begin to see him. Oh, Lord, I got this ocean to put in a thimble and I'm going to do my best to get you there. Ephesians 3. Then we'll probably go back over to chapter 1. <laughs> Hang with me. So good to see you, Simon and Kim. So good. So good. Does my heart good to see all of you here. I'm grateful. Remember, look with wonder at the depths of the Father's love. Third John, uh, 1 John 3. Ephesians 3, verse 14. For this cause, Paul said, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened, Isaiah 40, 31. How? Because you have his perspective. With all might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Now let me read this from the Passion. So I kneel humbly and all before the Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. Then by constantly using your faith, the life of Christ will be released. This is the maturity. This is how we grow. The life of Christ will be released inside of you and the resting place of his love will become the very source and the root of your life. The resting place of his love becomes the very source and the root of your life. Let me tell you, the devil is a master at, at trying to get us hooked up to the wrong source. Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians 4, 18. No, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians. I told you I didn't know everything. I know something. Chapter 4, verse 18. While we look not at the things that are seen for their temporal, that means subject to change, but we look at the things that are not seen for their eternal. So what is not seen? Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the vision of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Whew. So what does that mean? I'm, that means I'm hooked up to the right source. So let's go on. He said, he said, you will be empowered to discover, verse 18, I want you to meditate on these for the next few days. I just want to really, if I could give you an assignment, this would be it. Then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences. The great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ and all its dimensions. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is his love. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. Eye has not seen, 
ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what the Lord has prepared for those that love him. But the next verse is what was left out for all those years. But the Spirit has revealed it unto us. Now let's go on. He said, he said, how enduring and inclusive it is, endless love beyond measurement that transcends our understanding. This extravagant love pours into you until you are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. The fullness of the Father. Let's read that again. How enduring and inclusive it is. Endless love. Perfect love. You are perfectly loved. No, there is no shadow of turning. There's no trace of darkness. He don't have an ulterior motive. He's not waiting for you to mess up. Come on, somebody. Religion had to make you believe that, well, because you messed up, he's been waiting for that because now it's going to cost you something. Jesus already carried all that. I can't tell you how many times I said, well, he must be punishing me for something. That was so out of the blueprint. Because surely he has carried our sicknesses and our sorrows. We esteemed. That means we reckoned, we figured it was God that killed his son. No, it wasn't. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. That's what the Ethiopian eunuch read when Philip was called, led by the Spirit to go out and join himself to the Ethiopian eunuch there that was reading from Isaiah that said he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, yet he opened not his mouth. Peter, Philip said, you know what you're reading? He said, how can I accept somebody show me? That's what the world's waiting they're waiting to see the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. They're waiting for us to manifest. The darkness will always be dark until we become luminescent, until we become uh, relevant to who He is and understanding that we've become the light He's called us to be for uh, this light in the world that, uh, let me tell you, those, those girls knew, you know, when they took my mug shot at the faux jail, Foe, it was make-believe, right? And I'm standing there with the orange and that little sign in front of it. I, I, I tried to look. Yeah. There I am. There you get. So I had no idea what, was, what I was holding. They called it a felony, but I tried to look mean. I did like this first, and they said, you're going to do a mean face? I said, I can't do it. And I'm coming out of it about they took the time they took the picture. I smiled right after that. So uh, you, you understand that <laughs> that's not really who I am. It's make-believe, but it's for a great cause. When we come into the beloved identity and we understand who He created us to be and we begin to understand what he feels about us. Have you ever wondered what God thought about you? I have. I've often wondered, well, what if I messed up this week? I wonder what he thinks about me. 
I quit focusing on behavior because I became so frustrated and trying to fix me and get it right. But I found out that relationship and that holy, precious Holy Spirit in me. The Bible says, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, who who started a good work in you will complete it till the day of Jesus. Chapter 2 verse 13 says, for it is God who works in you because he's willing and to do his good pleasure. He says, verse 20, In the King James, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that works in you, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. Now look at, he says, Never doubt God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request. Your most unbelievable dream your most unbelievable dream and exceed your wildest imagination. Go ahead, try it. You know, Arnold Palmer went to Asia. They wanted to honor him. They invited him there to one of the premier resorts and, and they, they said they wanted to give him a lavish gift. He said, I don't need anything. I'm so grateful that you guys brought me here to honor me, but... I don't need, just give me a golf club. The next day he goes out there, they give him a deed to a golf resort because they're thinking a golf club is a club. (laughs) Come on, true story. Here's what I believe about you and me. We've sold ourselves short. We've asked little Now in him that is able. He is able. He's the father. So I become extravagant in my asking because he's extravagant. In his loving and extravagant in his giving. Okay, let me give you this verse. Is everybody okay? If you're thinking about that pot roast in the oven, don't or wherever it is, crock pot, whatever. It's okay because I think about that too. (laughs) But it'll wait, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Watch. Now, never doubt God's power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all. For his miraculous power constantly energizes you. Don't aim too low, William. Can I tell you, he feels the same way about each one of us in this room. There's no favor. If he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If he had a wallet, it would be there too. But since he don't have a refrigerator or a wallet, he's got his hand. 
That's how much he thinks of you. He's got you. He said, you're always before me. David said, Lord, if I try to count the thoughts you have about me, I could never, they're like the sands of the sea. I could never count them. I want to help somebody get whole because let me tell you, when you come to the revelation of absolute extravagant love the Father has for you, there's a wholeness that accompanies that. woman caught in the act of adultery. Jesus, only problem he had was not with the, the thieves and the lepers and the adulterers and all the people that, the, he probably had a problem with the religious. Yes, sir. They brought the woman. <laughs> do, you, do you understand how precious that is? That is so precious. That is the epitome of innocence. It's like in that bye-bye, we know he's, he'll be back. So when you think about this extravagant Heavenly Father's heart toward you, this hope, this calm, confident expectation of a good thing in your future, now may the God of hope fill you Paul said in, in, in Ephesians, oh, pray for me. He said in Ephesians chapter one, we did chapter three, let's do a little bit in chapter one just for a second. This is going to, If you had a cake, this would be the icing, okay? But it's all icing. The whole cake's made of icing. Sweet. No calories, right? Yeah. There's life in this. He said in verse 17, I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, will impart to you the riches of spiritual the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation. To know him through your deepening intimacy with him. Remember John 17, 3? I never quoted that verse, but let me tell you what he said. He said, Father, this is eternal life that they know you and they know your son. That's through the Holy Spirit. So he said, I pray the Father of glory will impart to you the riches of, of spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination. That's the innermost heart. Flooding you with light. You are the light. Until you experience the full revelation of the hope, there's that word again, of his calling. To which he is calling you. What is the hope of that calling you think? It's to let him love you. To come into beloved identity. To realize that the world wants you to live outside your blueprint. The world wants you, will pull you in a direction God never intended for you to go. So, 
So he said, here's the part that was phenomenal. I was sitting there. We went to hear the bear man, Jim. I can't think of his last name. Yeah, yeah, Vess, yeah, Vessine House. He, he was attacked by a grizzly bear, and, and this was, I'm talking about not boo-boo, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was, the hands, the, the paw, you can hold the outer claws like this because the, 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 he was right up on him. He's in Canada, and he, he talks about how they, how they had to get him to the hospital, but it was a harrowing experience because he's bleeding profusely. Had to have 47 staples in his head because he held his hands up, he said, and, and the bear clamped down on his hand, broke all the fingers in his hand and punctured his skull. And, and, and it's just horrific, but he talks about how he's thinking in the helicopter as they're flying down the river trying to get them to the nurse's station so they can airlift him to a hospital, a trauma unit. And, and he, there, as we're in that meeting together, this, this man's life was transformed in a moment. In, in that moment, his life was changed, and now he's affecting others with the light of that testimony. Let me tell you that God is on purpose. Everything, he don't waste anything. We live in a broken world and everything that happens to us is not God. I want to say it again. Everything is not God. And everything that happens to us, let me tell you, sometimes we think it's the devil. Sometimes it's us. But hang with me. I'm taking you somewhere. He said, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted Him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now He's exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, realm of power and existence. He's gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And He alone is the leader and the source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given Him the highest rank above all others. And now we, His church, are His body on the earth that will that which fills Him who is being filled by it. Yes, Till you be filled with the fullness of God. Now let me give you this one last verse. Amen. And we're going to pray. Pray for me, Brother John, that I'll stop here. <laughs> Amen. There's a, Romans 8, 31. He says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, can be against us. If he spared not his own son, but offered him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? Who can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? 
then there's hypothetical list. He said, shall life or death or principalities or powers or governments, things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, trouble, problems, people? Come on. Can anything separate us from the love of God? No. I'm persuaded that nothing shall separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That means I have this knowledge, this rest. I've come into this place of great rest. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Because it brings such a... a, There's such a relief. He loves you so extravagantly that he wants us to live the blueprint. That we become everything he intended for us to be. So as I mature, I said, Lord, I want to be like you. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul said to Galatians, he said, I travail, little children, over you again till Christ be formed in you. I live by the faith of the Son of God. Galatians 2.20, it means I'm living according to what he believes about me. I've discovered, man, he's, okay, here, here's Isaiah 62.4. I'm not in charge anyway, right? Ephesians 62.4. I'm no longer going to call you forsaken. I don't want you to see yourself as forsaken again. You're not going to be called abandoned. I don't do abandonment. I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to call you Hephzibah. My delight is in you. In the next part, he said, your land will no longer be called barren or unfruitful. I was amazed. I don't know. I met a guy I hadn't seen in years. He's a pastor down in Corinth, down close to Coosa, Bert Tippett. And he invited me to a podcast he does called The Golden Nugget. I don't have to make that happen. I don't have to solicit it. He makes it happen. Because if I walk according to my blueprint, the door's that were closed are now open. And the doors the enemy wanted me to go through were now closed. And he said, I'm going to call your land Beulah, which means married. I'm married to your journey. Now, you, you, can't, you can't receive the Beulah until you get Hephzibah. You, you can't get Beulah, it means that I'm going to restore the years that the locust and the cankerworm and the palmer worm and the caterpillar have eaten. All of those eat it down to the dirt. In Joel 2.28. 
All of them eat it down to the dirt till there's nothing left. He said, I'm going to restore not the minutes, not the days, not the months, the years. That's extravagant. Somebody needs to hear this. I'm going to restore the years that left you with nothing but dirt because there's going to be a harvest. I can call something from nothing. And I want to do it for you. Because I'm that kind of father. So I want you to know, as you're here today, I want you to have hope. Your best days are ahead. I want you to have confidence that you are who he says you are. There's nothing you have to do to become who you already are. He's already impressed. He sees you and he sees his reflection. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. You're not born because God needed you. You're here because he wanted you. Ooh, what a great time to be alive on planet earth. Let me tell you, I run into people all the time who talk about how bad it is. Boy, it's really dark out there, right? You and I are privileged to be born in the most strategic and important time. Oh, some of the prophets and the apostles would love to be here now because now is the time that we become luminescent and our light really shines in the darkness and the darkness won't be able to comprehend it because we've come into this knowledge of how much we are loved and how much we walk in the confidence of that and we begin to bring that message and that transformational truth to those who sit in darkness. One testimony, Braxton, down in Wilcox, came through Turning Point, 90 days, drug rehab. He's 30 years old. I'll never forget the first time he sat with me, one-on-one. Been there Turning Point for 24 years. But this was such a, a moment. As I began to share with him a lot about what I'm sharing with you about the love of the Father. The floodgates opened. He was hearing things he had never heard before. He was hearing about beloved identity. And he sat there and wept. As I told him, I said, there's nothing you need to do to make God love you. Because his love is solid. You You can't even change the way he feels about you. When I was down in Wilcox, he came through, graduated, had to, had to come for court because he's, he, he had some charges, but God's really healing everything. And I went down and he was telling some of his friends as he introduced me, he said, this is Pastor Wayne, he said he taught me what it means to be loved. Amen. Because when you know how much you're loved, you won't settle for anything that's inferior. You won't... You won't settle for any counterfeit. Anything the enemy offers you with a world that is counterfeit or inferior to this extravagant love, you won't, you won't, you'll know it. And it'll become irrelevant. Stand with me. 
He is so in this room. Jesus said, if you love me, my Father will love you. We'll come in and we'll reveal ourselves to you. We'll, I love the word. But I'm telling you, I want to know the author of the word. Because in knowing the author of the word, when I read those words, they're from the Father's heart. So if you're here and you feel distant, you feel disconnected, you feel like today is a pivotal moment and you feel the draw of the Holy Spirit drawing you into this love circle, this, this place of, of intimacy that's going to fulfill everything. Let me tell you what happened. John said, he that continually sins don't know him. But he that has his seed in him, you can try to sin. <laughs> you can try, but you won't be able to go there because he's going to be pulling you back into love. Because you got his seed, his DNA. If you're here, I want to pray for you, but I want to give you the opportunity to come. I know they're going to have a short meeting afterwards, but I want to give you the opportunity. This is not, it's not a religious altar call, okay? It's a moment that I believe the, the Holy Spirit has orchestrated. And wherever you are, He's right there with you. I've had people who felt like they should be further along than they were. And I said, you need to stop because you're exactly where you're supposed to be. His, the progress is up to him. And the delight is mine to grow and to mature so that I can receive my inheritance. Get ready. Some of you about to receive your inheritance. I'm talking about something that's not just a once in a lifetime. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a continual thing. We have eight people living in our house. I've told you that before. Six are downstairs. Me and my wife upstairs, but we interact. And I know why they're there. They're there for us to be the expression, to be luminescent, to show them the Father's love. Amen. You know what? Since they've been there, the grocery bill has doubled. The water bill is doubled. Everything's doubled. But you know what? It's amazing. We haven't missed a lick. You know why? Because we're right in the Father's heart and, and He's there and He opens His hand. There's not... If He offered His own Son, how will He not with Him freely give us all things? It's because we come into this revelation of Hephzibah that we get Beulah. So if that's you, and the Holy Spirit's dealing. I know he's, he's touching somebody's heart right now. I just want to believe with you. I want to believe with you that your best days are ahead. And I want to encourage you. Trust in the Father's heart. Father, I bless you and honor you today. I thank you for this opportunity. 
I pray for every person in this room. There will be an extravagant explosion of revelation. Lord, of that love that has no bounds and no limitations, that love that is relentless in its pursuit for us. Father, I pray right now that you'll bring a wholeness and healing to every heart that's wrestling with their own identity, that they'll come to know themselves as beloved. And they'll come to see you as good. Ultimately, thank you, Father. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.